It really was the shoes. <laughs> As where's Jordan? <laughs> is it the shoes? And I took and that personally. Shorts. And the shorts. It's the shorts and the shoes. I've seen space enough times to know this. <laughs> is this the first? Is this this might be the first time in film history that Space Jam and the Red Shoes have been talked about together? <laughs> we've, we've, we did it, boys. Hey, listen, influences come in many forms. We peaked. <laughs> Welcome to Idiot Block, a comedic podcast critiquing, discussing, and analyzing the media industry through reviews, debates, and historical deep dives. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of A Plot. I'm David Giannis. Joining me today, as always, are my co-hosts, Alex Overdahl. Take off the red shoes. And Justin Neitzel. Oh-ho. So today, uh, we're doing another, another of our movie picks, recommendations to focus on. And Alex, today was yours. Do you want to tell us quickly what movie you had to watch? Yes, I picked the 1948 film, The Red Shoes. Okay, really exciting, exciting movie to watch and talk about. Um, lots of lo- lots of things to to break down with it. Um, but before we get that into a into another episode or segment of what we watched these past couple of weeks, um, something I want to bring up before we get started. Uh, between the, our last episode and now, we've lost two big entertainment icons. Um, sadly, Michael K. Williams and Norm Macdonald have both passed away. And I mean, Michael K. K. Williams is one of the best character actors of his generation and Norm Macdonald one of my personal favorite stand comedians um truly we we are going to miss out on some great stuff with the loss Mm -hmm. of these two powerhouses I mean Michael K. Williams um, The the, the Wire uh, which everyone knows knows him for but The Night Of is also just a amazing performance yeah I mean Emmy nominated for that one and yeah legendary for The Wire and uh, I mean just a lot of very small roles and like every time he's in something you go oh shit it's you know it's Michael K. Williams it's Omar it's you know he should be in a lot more. And, and he was in quite a bit. Sadly, a lot of it was garbage, but he was in quite a bit. Um, stuff like Assassin's Creed, uh, Ghostbusters, Triple Nine. But he was in some some good stuff. Hey, his TV, his TV resume is a lot better. Yeah, some all timers there. The I mean, The Night of is one of the best. I mean, I love that many series. I love it to death. And his performance in that is it is one of the better ones in a show that's all about great performances. Mm. So he will be sadly missed. I kind of want to see now his footage from Solo because he was in Solo. This. Star Wars movie. That's but right. Had, but he had to quit because of the reshoots when they reshot the entire uh, <laughs> well, Yeah, when they shot the same script again. Yeah, he was supposed to be like the, I forget his name, Paul Bettany's character, character. Or a version of him. Yeah, some something like that. I completely forgot about that. I, I kind of forget that movie existed, to be, to be honest with you. Yeah. But also, we lost uh, Norm Macdonald, one of probably, in my opinion at least, one of, one of the funniest stand-up comedians ever. 
I think extremely underrated when you look at people talk talk, talk about their favorite comedians. Dude, dude was so clever, so smart. Well, was, he was great just because like he never knew where the punchline was coming because jokes would take forever, <laughs> or they'd yeah, just be like real quick. Yeah, like but, the whole time you're just laughing because I mean the deadpan delivery of just like this crazy dry like witty jokes like you just never know what he's gonna say and it's like gonna be funny no matter what it's like so like it feels stupid even but it's like really smart but it's just like when he says it, you're like oh that was so stupid but you're laughing anyway we had a bit I mean, not the- too long ago about uh fighting cancer it's fun to look back on because he actually was fighting it at the time yeah 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 he had cancer he died of cancer after nine years told nobody mm. that was the big thing is he told nobody um i watched a video today actually it was howie mandel and anthony jesselnick doing a podcast together and they were told that he died when they were recording it and they're like wait he had cancer like because they knew him for years mm. so like no one knew he had cancer but that's kind of how he was as a person though just seeing his podcast and stuff there's a lot of actors and comedians who do that though too like uh well, who was it like alan rickman had something going on that no one ever knew about that's right what i'll say about norm mcdonald is, is if you go on youtube and you start with the Courtney Thorne Smith interview <laughs> on Conan, you will go on a wonderful rabbit hole. <laughs> Make I mean, sure you hit that and the YouTube live. Oh, the YouTube comedy live show is one of the greatest examples of not understanding who you're hiring to do something. <laughs> All the stars are here. Harley Martinstein, love him. <laughs> <laughs> but Alex, do you know what the worst part of his death is? Mm. The hypocrisy. <laughs> Only a few people will get also, that. Reference. Also, yeah, also an all-time joke. Yeah. <laughs> or I also have to commend him. We should move on, but I have to commend him. He made OJ jokes on SNL when he when he anchored Weekend Update. When he knew that that would get him fired, he knew that he would lose his job doing Weekend Update, but he still did it anyway. In OJ's book, he said that he would jump in front of a moving car for her. Well, it's kind of sad that the person who would die for you is the one who ends up killing you. I mean, I mean, the other great weekend update joke one is when it was it was it was a pie chart and it was something like forty eight percent of people think that um forty eight percent of people think or, or, or no it was forty percent okay I'm gonna joke now it was fifty one percent of major car crashes are caused by by men but fifty six percent of of minor car crashes are caused by women and you know the pie chart says it says if you do the math on the pie chart the, the the numbers don't add up to 100, and that's because the math was done by a woman. And the cross was to turn on him instantly. And then he looks at him and goes, guys, that joke was written by a woman. Calm down. And he, you know, and the crowd just starts cheering again. And he goes, JK, we don't hire women here. <laughs> and then moves on. <laughs> and we can cut that bit if we have to, but I wanted to say that because that's one of my all-time favorite jokes of his. Dude truly did not give a fuck what he said. He didn't care who he offended, and so Norm MacDonald, Michael K. Williams, rest in peace. That's what makes a great comedian is they're not worried about offending people. Mm-hmm. And, and he did do his apology to her because he was try- he was kind of canceled when his show came out on Netflix. He had to go on the apology tour where he went on The View and just downed mints for 20 minutes. That was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he he, he he truly he truly was a great Michael K. Williams also. 
really funny, not funny, I guess that's the wrong word, but just a good actor. Those two will sadly be missed. Now let's move on to kind of what we watch, what we want to talk about. Uh, Alex, why don't you start us off? What depressing, <laughs> mood-killing movie do you have for us this week? Schindler's List? Well, see, no. I can start with what it is with a song <laughs> that you might know. Sing, are you? You watched a musical? Yeah. Miracles because I watched The Prince of Egypt. Oh. <laughs> that's right. You watched an animated movie? I watched Dude. an animated movie that's a musical. Dude, you hyped up like I was gonna like be super happy and like I thought you really liked that movie. I do, but I haven't seen it in fifteen years. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking great though. It is good. It's a good movie. It's really good. It slaps real hard. That movie has no right to to be that good. Like the songs have no right to slap that hard, I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, they're great. Well, aren't you a big fan of like the live action Ten Commandments? Yes. Yes. I actually yeah, I the, the day I watched watched that, rewatched that for the first time since I was a kid. I bought Ten Commandments on Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> so, we have this to is, wash you know, your head to the animation. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't rewatched that one yet, but like, and maybe want to watch this too because like it's more it's a more like condensed concise one that really like flows. The songs are incredible. The voice cast is just absolutely stacked. Yeah, it is. Was Prince of I Egypt mean, the first Dreamworks animated movie? I don't um, know. Yeah, the it was first definitely one film from DreamWorks to be traditionally animated. Okay. Wow. Well, the first one must have been Ants. Ants yeah, I think and Prince of Egypt, oh, yeah. I think is what it was. Oh, they both came out in the same year. Okay, yeah, it could have been. Probably, yeah, it says Ants is the first. But, yeah, I mean, score from Hans Zimmer. <laughs> Cast Ray Fiennes, Val Kilmer, Sandra Bullock, Michelle Pfeiffer, Steve Martin, Jeff Goldblum, Patrick Stewart, like Martin Short. Ab- yeah, absolutely stacked. DreamWorks came out swinging. I mean, they wanted to make a movie that Disney would never make. Well, they oh, did. They never did. This slaps too hard. <laughs> I mean, I guess if I had hot take or just potential hot take, because I haven't seen this movie in how I mean, however freaking long. Um, I do like Road to El Dorado more. I've actually never seen. That. You've never seen Road to El Dorado? Nope. Oh, I we have to. to do that for an episode. That one, that movie's awesome. Yeah, see, after after this, it was like, oh, we should watch El Dorado. So I might get to that. <clears throat> it's kind of sad to see how shitty DreamWorks got after this movie. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm looking through all until, the DreamWorks movies, and it's kind of like, they're either until great sin, or until shit. Uh, until they, they unleashed the peak of cinema. A uh, B-movie? <laughs> Track. <laughs> <laughs> or also accept Shark Tale. <laughs> <laughs> Why use style and 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 you know art direction? We we just put Will Smith's face on the fish. <laughs> <laughs> And have Martin uh, Scorsese voice a uh, blowfish for some reason. God, yeah, Prince of Egypt. I should rewatch Prince of Egypt. Is it on anything? Unfortunately, no. If I guess it's a peacock, but because I, I watch it, I think my wife actually really likes it. Yeah, I wonder. I, I do wonder because I know it wasn't anything I have. No, it's only for rental. Oh, oh there's a musical on it? Oh, no, it got COVIDed. <laughs> yeah, it premiered in Denmark. What? <laughs> in Denmark and California. Well, and then went to the West End, but then got COVIDed. Mm. Dude, that could actually be an awesome show. I mean, if it's going off the songs in this movie, it'd be great. I think it is. Yeah. But now, then has you anybody would lose, like, the animation the- and the transitions, which are crazy good. Mm-hmm. Now, has, has anybody seen the, the prequel, uh, Joseph King of Dreams? 
I have. With Chris. Wait. Whoa. 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 Flashback. I have seen this. Yeah. Like, I remember there was a movie about, like, you know, about that. I just didn't remember that it was, like, in the same style as this. I know it wasn't as good. Yeah, it's not as good, but... Somehow got better after the band. I think that was early in his career, though. Yeah, it was right after uh, 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 Good Will Hunting. I mean, Dreamers, yeah, when Dreamers started, started out, like they really wanted um, to take down Disney, and they and they almost did, and then they got like almost too self indulgent, like every Disney competitor eventually does, it seems, and then and, and then they failed. It's because they just just kind of go back to their freak. They go to weird roots where all of a sudden it's just like, oh, we're just going to do weird animation and fart humor and stuff. Prince of Egypt was was them actually taking Disney on at their own game and and being successful. Yeah. With the the big animated musical drama epic. And now you get the likes of Boss Baby and Boss Baby 2. And you're like, where did we cu- where did we go? <laughs> That's because the Goodrums movies nobody fucking sees. Yeah, like how like, nobody saw anybody in Sherman, which is actually a really good movie. Yeah, it is. Rise of the Guardians, I thought was pretty good. Mega Mind is good. It's like yeah. Megamind is the far superior movie to Despicable Me. Yes. I mean, that's the pro- I think that's a, one of the problems that's come up with DreamWorks, though, right? Is because, like, around the same time, similar movies release. Yeah. And then they get confused. Like, I get, I confuse. There was even another one around then that's kind of like Megamind, wasn't there? Like, a superhero one. And, like, you get them confused. And then it's hard to, like, stand out. Versus, like, something like Prince of Egypt, just like, well, there's really nothing like that coming out. So it's very easy to, like, identify. Or obviously, Shrek. Mm hmm. Problem is, is they have when a good movie comes out, no one goes to see it. But when it's shit, people go to flock to it. So, well, actually, I'll, I'll end this discussion on this because we can move on with one final example. Compare the first Spirit movie that came out twenty years ago with the Spirit movie that just came out this past summer. There was a sp- In, un, there was a which, second yeah, Spirit movie. Yeah, there is. Yeah. It came out summer. Came out this year. See it somehow. I don't, I work trip. It's based off of the show. It involves like like young horse girls <laughs> riding the horse from the first movie. Jeez. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how we got to that point, but we did. <laughs> well, the first one was first weird enough. Was horse Lion King. Yeah, where the and horses don't talk. And the kid movie. Anyway, Justin, how about you? What do you have for us this week? I watched the Denzel Washington movie John Q. Basically, oh, okay. it's um, Denzel Washington's kid has a heart problem, so they go to the hospital for, and he needs a new heart. But Not Sean David. But his insurance won't cover the transplant, so he kind of takes things into his own hands and kind of goes to the doctor who performed the surgery and kind of puts him at gunpoint and takes a bunch of hostages. This is a stacked cast, too. You got Denzel Washington, James Woods, Robert Duvall, uh, Ray Liotta's in it. I've never heard of this movie. Interesting. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. There, yeah. What's it called? John Q. Couldn't find him with the search. I'm on his. Here we go. Thousand two. It's not like blow you away, good movie, but but I enjoyed it. I thought it was okay. Denzel was great as always. Yeah, that was peak Denzel. <clears throat> like early two thousands Denzel. Yeah, you basically got a standoff between Denzel and Robert Duvall. Like uh, Robert Duvall's lieutenant trying to get 
the hostages out and kind of work with Denzel. Jose, 23% score on Rotten Tomatoes. But it seems to be liked by, like, audience. Yeah, it does. Like I said, I'd, not, I'd maybe give it 6.5 out of 10, maybe. I mean, it, was, it this, wasn't great, but it was enjoyable. But this was a weird era for like, movies like that, where there are plenty of movies that critics hated, but fans loved in droves. Mm. Like, this Bad is the era of too. that. It's definitely an early 2000s thing, where critics might not have loved it, but audiences did. I mean, stuff like radio... Stuff like that. I mean, this to me screams movie you watch on cable and get sucked into. Pretty much. <laughs> like, would I send you to theaters to see it? No, but if you saw it on cable or came across it on a streaming service, I'd be like, give it a shot. It's a good movie. If FX is playing it at 11 o'clock in the morning <laughs> on, on a Thursday. I think it's been running on Stars or something. I think that's where I found it. Saw it. Oh, God. So no one's going to watch it. <laughs> That free weekend, yeah. That, that's true. It could, be, it could be the free weekend. I mean, the, it looks interesting. I do like a good uh, thriller. This, this poster sucks. Yeah. <laughs> that's a very early 2000s poster. That's where they just like, stu- throw the lead's face on the poster, then throw some words everywhere. <laughs> like. Yeah, like, like I look at the, the, the poster... I don't think of movie about guy taking an, uh, taking a hospital hostage. It looks like do you, do you remember like like those PSAs for like the Better World Foundation or whatever? <laughs> like, yeah, like it looks like he's playing basketball and is like being bullied by some people. <laughs> or like no one yeah, understands but- him and is like I'm going to prove them wrong. <laughs> That's the that's the early two thousands version of what we have now, which is the character poster of everyone in the entire cast floating on air uh, with the with bad some, guy in the middle, and they form a row around them with the bad guy in the background with some random colors splashed in the background. And the bad yeah. guy is is kind of half transparent into the background. Yeah. Mm-hmm. God, this was a wild time for for movies. I might I might give it a shot though if I can actually find it. Sounds interesting, and I love random two thousand movies lit like this. Mm. Anyway, for my film, uh, me me and my wife visited my family at their cabin over this past weekend. Um, and while they were there, it was revealed that my wife had never seen a certain movie that is really big in my family. I'm I'm about to alienate my entire family right now. I know my, I know my mom <laughs> I know my mom listens to this and she's going. to to tell everyone what I what I what I what I said, but she she made my wife. We all sat down and we watched The Great Outdoors, which is like my family's movie. Uh, some people, at least in this side of Wisconsin, have heard of it. It's big, but it's not really big for a lot of people. It's not it's not it's not a classic or anything, but it is in my family. Like my family can can quote this movie. We usually watched it at least once a year, but gosh, there were points where I met where. I, 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 I watched it weekly, <laughs> which which drove me insane for a little bit there and got me to hate the movie. It's probably the first time I've seen this movie in, gosh, at least five years, maybe more. Uh, directed by Howard Deutsch, uh, written by John Hughes, so it hasn't been named, start, big name writer, starring Dan Aykroyd and John Candy, where John Candy's his dad brings his family up camping in northern Wisconsin, where he's then hijacked, where the fiction isn't hijacked by Dan Aykroyd's character, who's like the rich, fun uncle who doesn't want to have the relaxing vacation and they kind of 
go on like a war for control of the the, 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 the vacation. Um, John Candy, Dan Aykroyd, hilarious as always. Uh, direction's really good. The script is really good, except for one thing that, and this is the part that seeing this movie as an adult instead of a kid really, really, really stood out. That the movie has no plot. <laughs> there is there is no story thread whatsoever until the last twenty minutes, where the the entire movie is just really funny bits of Dan Aykroyd trying to piss off John Candy, and they are really funny, but they fall apart. There's like some thread where like like the oldest son of John Candy falls for this just random girl on the trip that I think is supposed to be like that young love that's in every John Hughes movie, but. He's only there for like four days, so it doesn't make a ton of sense. It's probably like like the weak. It's probably the weakest part of the movie, and it's the only thing resembling a plot. Uh, and there and there is stuff that they could use to, to to actually make a story out of the film. But they choose not to because the focus has to be on John Candy and Dan Aykroyd. I mean, I mean, we 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 talk about. 2000s movies and and the posters and of of the big name actor looking off looking off camera. Well, this is the '80s era of comedies where where you where, where you cast a big name star and legally nobody else is allowed to be funny. <laughs> funny is after you mentioned this the f- first time on this podcast i came across it but i only came across the ending so i didn't get to see it the ending is really great it actually has one of the best punchlines. i won't spoil it because it, it is genuinely amazing and probably worth the entire the entire movie but really that's the only part the only part that really has plot is the beginning and the end the rest is just filler the rest is dan Aykroyd, john candy go be funny I will say, if you've, if you've ever gone camping in the middle of nowhere, it is hilariously accurate. Because, like, they go into, like, a cabin. They, they go into, like, a cabin with, like, a shotgun lamp. And there's the guy run, running the campground, has a shirt that says, I've been to Duluth. <laughs> well, like, I've met people like that. I think I'm related to people that like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, this movie plays a big part in my family, plays a big part in, in my childhood. But at the same time, it's kind of hard to watch it as a doubt without as a doubt without being like, oh wow, this is not what I remember. So it's kind of hard to recommend unless you grew up with that um, with with that camping with with that camping background, going on those those, those trips like my family did, especially when they were kids. Um, I will end though. I'll end this by saying when we went on. I think I might have done this when we went on an so a little bit. But when when we when you go on the Universal Studios tour in Los Angeles, you pass. By the cabin they used to film the great outdoors, and we went. We went my family did, did that like ten years ago. We kind of lost our shit a little bit, and we were the only people on that tram that probably heard of that movie because nobody else cared. And my and my mom's going, "Get the camera! Get the camera!" As we're driving past. <laughs> trying to get a picture of, of the great outdoors cabin everyone's like what the hell is that <laughs> yeah everyone's like what the hell is that and what the hell, hell are these people I mean we look like freaks we look like the, the, those freaky tourists who is this midwest <laughs> family freaking out over a log cabin you know over this movie that no one has seen maybe they but went yeah. home and started like well we should check out the great outdoors Those that family was freaking out over it that random Wisconsin family lost their goddamn minds <laughs> then yeah. they watched it and they were like oh <laughs> if you like John Hughes movies you, you probably like some parts of it it's probably the only John Hughes movie I, I can say I genuinely like Hello. come at me people 
Hashtag fair we, shock. We, we, don't, we don't want to start that one again. <laughs> no, we don't. But yeah, funny movie. No, no reply. I'll punt now. But with that, we'll move on to our main event, which is The Red Shoes. Alex, why don't you take take, 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 take us into why you picked The Red Shoes? All right. Well, I picked The Red Shoes. I think, you know, besides, like, I think it's an amazing film, but just, like, we'll get into this more, but just how influential it is. So, but at the same time, it's one that, like, we said the red shoes and some people are going to be like what the fuck is that <laughs> but so it's a 1948 film directed by michael powell and emmerich pressburger who were a british writing directing team that made a number of very influential classics at the time and it follows a ballet company and specifically uh this dancer victoria who kind of catches the eye of the person who runs the company and she's trying to become a good dancer and he sees potential so he commissions a new ballet for her but at the same time she you know she he's pushing her to be very hard to be as good as possible like obsessively but she ends up in a relationship and he doesn't like that because it distracts her so she's kind of pulled between these two sides of the relationship and the art and like it kind of starts to tear her apart psychologically so i think you know really why i picked it again like the story is very influential there's a lot of analysis you can do with it there's a lot of stuff that like the more you look at it the more depth it has and it's almost like genre wise it's almost like light horror in some ways and it really kind of mixes a lot of different genres it has a long ballet sequence that's very influential and kind of experimental uh which at the time was also very groundbreaking and visually i mean it's one of the best looking films you'll see i mean i guess i would have to 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 agree i I didn't hear this movie until you you brought it up um it's a big criterion pick so obviously i'm I'm gonna be interested once once i hear about it um but yeah in the first 10 minutes you 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 can already see what movies probably copied from it (laughs) quite a bit like, like, like yeah, it's I, painfully obvious. Like the first thing I saw was, well, Damien Chazelle watched this a few times. Yeah, you'll be very unsurprised. Like the the directors, like there's even a list. Like the directors who have said it's one of their favorite films ever: Scorsese, Ford Coppola, Brian De Palma. Uh, and I'm sure oh, yeah, Damien Chazelle. Yeah, 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 because shit, we just yeah. Had, yeah, uh, Phantom of the Paradise. <laughs> Yeah, Final Paradise, yeah, that, that's very much inspired by, by the Red Shoes. Well, that was the fun thing about watching this movie, is like, I see several movies I've seen in this. Yeah, yeah, I've never heard of this movie. I'm like, I, I'm like yeah. I've never seen this, but I've seen this. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, yeah, it's like, when you said, you know, Damon Chazelle has seen this, I was thinking, like, for which movie? The answer is yeah. both. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's for but, both. And, and yeah, just like, it's one of those that, like, I think specifically in America, outside of, like, the film buff circles or, like, criterion ones isn't, like, household, but, like, if you look at best film lists, it'll be there. Or, like, especially, like, if you look at what are the best British films, I mean, it's huge in in England uh, because, yeah, I mean, and, and it's the same thing with all of the Powell Pressburger ones. It's, like, they're so influential, but somewhere along the way, U.S. audiences forgot because at, at first they were highly successful at the Oscars, but, like, now they're kind of not as well known. But that's the thing about U.S. films, right, is the way we we preserve movies is really fleeting, where you have all, like, these really big movies that would be big for, like, five years and then just disappear. Mm. And and then, like, 30 years later, someone be like, hey, I discovered this really good movie. And people who saw it before are like, no, it, it always was good. <laughs> uh uh-uh, I've never heard of it. 
What surprised me, because we, we've seen this happen before, but it's the way the Red Shoes actually adapts the Red Shoes, where you adapt the story without really telling the story, with the Red Shoes being a Hans Christian Andersen fairy tale. Right, and in the film, they put they adapt that as a ballet within the film. Whereas, But, but, but the main plot is actually also kind of an adaptation of the Red Shoes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Because, so, yeah, it, so it parallels the ballet that's based on the story, so it's all, like, connected. Yeah, it, it it's very smart that has been done countless times since then, but at, at the time was probably mind-blowing. I, I, would I agree think, with too, you. like, what are we going to say? I was going to say I would agree with you that this is probably one of, one of the best-looking movies, though. I've seen it in a very long time. Oh, yeah. Visually, it's just stunning. Like the 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 lighting you know, the and technicolor colors. Nineteen forty-eight. Yeah. <laughs> well, I read that that the original film negatives were damaged, which which to you, which people that don't really know a lot about film, that's really bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's really bad because that stop that makes preservation and restoration very difficult. It's why we'll, we'll never see Citizen Kane as it originally looked because because these original negatives are damaged beyond repair. So every version of Citizen Kane is based off a copy of that, not the original negative. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And credit to Criterion Yanis Films and, and the Film Academy for the restoration job they did. It looks amazing. Yeah, apparently with this one, there's a little bit of a story behind it, like the restoration because it was UCLA like spent years on the negative fixing it <laughs> like they spent years restoring this film I mean it's worth it it looks great and it's getting a 4k release later this year that the Criterion fans are going nuts about on the subreddit oh yeah gimme gimme <laughs> which I didn't get I didn't get that until I watched the movie I'm like okay yeah now I get it <laughs> especially yeah I mean the standout is visually is the ballet sequence which is like 15 minutes long but it's also you know what's interesting, great oh yeah well what's interesting about it like the reception at the time it, it was actually like obviously in retrospect it's like all-time great film but one thing that was criticized was that the ballet sequence wasn't realistic because they weren't like ready for like an experimental sequence because it also obviously parallels like what she's thinking and like ties into her life because it's what she's seeing on stage and the way it transitions between the different scenes like it was criticized for that but now it's like obviously tons of films have taken that like experimental approach i mean i love that dreamlike feel of it i love that experimental shit so so i was hooked at that part mm. and, and i hate ballet <laughs> <laughs> yeah i, I, I can't about stand it i don't get it well and the makeup design and everything for the ballet was great too mm. Like yeah, the one guy that looks like a... Right yeah. Now, the real question, though, is, I think for me, is where is it more influential, the, the visuals or the story? Because everyone I've noticed who tried to talk about this film online, because it gets brought up on the cartoon subreddit quite a bit, talks about the visuals and stuff. But for me, where I saw a lot of the other, like, influences is in the plot, mm-hmm. which is a very deep plot. I purposely didn't look up any analysis of it because I just assumed that you had a bunch already in mind, Alex. <laughs> yeah, 
it's to me yeah it's honestly like we, you know the visuals like are the thing that pops out in like the directing techniques but like i i i think personally the story is even more influential just like you know like you said the story of like the obsession and like the way it's structured around this and then yeah like once you start the analysis stuff honestly like in a good way and like a thought-provoking way kind of like creeps you out a little bit in what way give us give us some analysis well, okay, blow yeah. our minds blow so our minds big one which i i noticed this the second time and i fully believe it the question because like you said it parallels the pl- the story and in the story remember the shoes themselves have a mind of their own so at the end when she jumps off the ledge did she jump off the ledge or did the shoes literally take over and run her off the ledge oh, fuck you <laughs> well, it adds even more credence to her last words or take off the shoes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I watched ah, it again. She's, ah. like shaking. She's like literally shaking and like turns around. Because and the first time watching it, I'm like, oh, she's going to run to her husband. She's going to reunite with him. But then she jumps and I'm like, what the fuck? Can I, <laughs> before I can continue... I have to say, just because we're on top of subject of that scene, the shot of that scene when she's running down that spiral staircase, and, it, and it's just the shot of her shoes, like steady, she goes down the staircase, is one of the single most beautiful shots I've seen in, the, seen in any movie ever. Yeah. Like, what the hell? How the fuck did they do that? Yeah, because, you know, this was like before shit, like steady cam, like all that stuff. Like, that would be really fucking hard. That hurt my brain. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it proved your point though because it fo- that shot focused on the shoes mm-hmm. didn't focus on her focused yeah, on you, the shoes you watch that part the shoes of the person god damn it yeah it's like she doesn't know what's happening when she goes out of the room and she can't decide and she's so conflicted and then she just like freezes in place and like the shoes sh- like her feet shuffle and it's like she doesn't know what's happening well she's look she's looking around like the hallway like what's she's like what's happening i don't know where i'm going yeah it's like it's a different person yeah and then you know again it's something i didn't notice the first time because i assumed she was actually choosing to go with her husband and then when she when she jumps like my jaw was just on the floor i'm like did that just happen <laughs> like well i'm surprised he got away with that at least in america I thought in the states you, you couldn't show suicide in the movie. Right, you you, that you couldn't. American films couldn't because they were regulated by U.S. law that said they couldn't. But since it's a British film, they could do it. I mean, don't. And apparently that was allowed to screen in the U.S. It just couldn't be an American-made film showing suicide. That's dumb. <laughs> it is dumb. <laughs> I mean, you you say that about censorship, but it, like, isn't there even a scene where like they're in a their bedroom or whatever, and there's two twin-sized beds or whatever? <laughs> yeah, that's right. But I think that was the sh- like they were like you know a little bit apart like it wasn't yeah that was probably at the matchups <laughs> yeah i noticed that this time too i'm like oh they have separate beds <laughs> well be 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 because like they're together but it always seems like like that like, like the ballet dude is in the middle of them the whole time mm-hmm. even he like you know he goes off at night to play the piano he plays this thing from the red shoes like it's you know they both kind of can't get away from it it's like they want to do it but they don't want to be involved with the other guy with that crazy dude yeah crazy dick hitter ballet guy yeah you know i get kind of like par- like he just won't let her stop dancing and is always trying to pull her in like the shoes like he just won't stop because he's upset or like the shoot guy, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. In the play. I mean, I mean, it's a great character though, because we all know people like that, right? Mm-hmm. They the, the, the want that perfection. 
Yeah. That's where Damien Giselle's like, not my tempo. <laughs> <laughs> but, but even other movies have that. Like you had like Whiplash, you mentioned, big one. But the one that came to my mind was Art of Self Defense. Yeah. Which is which is about more of them trying to all become the manliest men ever, but it's kind of that similar way. Well, yeah, it's it, like you have to be the best dancer and you can't have anything else. You have to be exactly this. Well, and the one I kind of thought of, but this that was released before this one was and that was Citizen Kane. A little bit. I guess for me, what I really loved is the subtlety of how this group really seems like they're a family at first and then you eventually realize, oh no, they're a cult. <laughs> yeah, and that's again another thing that rewards on the rewatch because you see like all the little seeds at plants like, you know, when that one uh, woman who's the dancer gets married and like instantly she's dead to him. Like, yeah, instant. And everybody like excuses his behavior. Oh, he's just this. Oh, he's just cranky. He's just that. But like, he's always that way. Well, and he doesn't even know his own family. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's yeah, all that matters to him is the performances. Yeah, they're all connected, but he doesn't really know who they are. And and then, um, but at the same time, they're all terrified of him or like disappointing him. Mm. And then they'll get mad and they'll quit. But he's like, but he knows they'll be back. It's this weird, like abusive relationship. Yeah, that, he's always like, yeah, just waiting for them to come back because like was it was it was possible. it the dance choreography guy that quit? Mm-hmm. And the lead the lead dancer guy quit too at one point. Yeah, and they all came back to him and he's like <laughs> like laughing. Even the one who got married because he has her come back when yep. Victoria's gone and she just joins up right again i mean extremely powerful sentiment that i mean the, i mean the, the good movies do that right we can see the real life in the fiction of mm-hmm. the weird dic- dic- dictator like figure that everyone's afraid to follow who who is successful because he's a dictator mm. like, like this but is probably successful because he's he's such a control freak but isn't that the big thing at the beginning that they all want to work for this guy yeah right he's like the guy because <laughs> because not not even the, the main woman which is victoria the other guy, her her um her husband, boyfriend, whatever was it was his name, Julian Krasker. Yeah, that guy at the same time is like willing to do the crappiest job ever just to work with this guy until he gets his opportunity. Well, and, and I guess to to Bor- Boris Lerman- Lermontov, whoever they get, I'm, I'm I'm bad with names of like the weird Russian variety, <laughs> but like he recognizes talent, and that's the big thing, right? He recognizes talent and gives his people shots, but he wants them loyal to him exclusively mm-hmm. not to anyone else part of his so-called family well, and not just anyone else not loyal to anything else not, not loyal to love to to family they have to be loyal to him and him, him alone and what's interesting too like you know he's so obsessive that he doesn't see it but once he finds out they're in a relationship right uh victoria and julian but they've been together the entire time they've been performing the red shoes he only starts to criticize their performance and say they're distracted when he knows about it yeah because the whole time they've been great and it's been a huge success but suddenly to him it's unacceptable only because of that which which is really compelling for character for character relationships Mm. well it was also kind of nice to see it's like it's not that he wants her he he just wants her to be his lead dancer basically and nothing else you saw him on a love triangle yeah yeah because it's like it's like a it's a triangle but it's like one one you know Julian wants love and he wants her performance yeah and that's and there it's you know being turned between two different things instead of two love interests which is much more compelling and interesting mm-hmm. because because we don't see it as often no if that was 
if it was like made today, it'd be like, oh, he's pining after her and blah 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 blah. Yeah, because it's still two men fighting over a woman, but they're fighting over one woman for different reasons. Not just because they both love her, but because one loves her and the other loves her performance. Doesn't want anything to get in the way of that. But but also weirdly, like didn't necessarily want to see her dance to begin with. Right. It was only when he saw how good she is at that, that side performance. Yeah. He basically was like forced to see her perform. Well, even then, he knows she's good. She just can't dance in the rhythm. And he, she's like, you have to. And he tells the guy who does the music, like, you have to work with her. <laughs> Yes, like, oh, yeah, that's that's right. He has every day at lunch, he has him play the whole score, like, yep. he, like obsessively. And then, of course, thinks nothing like as if they'll form no bond together doing that every day. He just assumes, oh, you know, they're just going to be doing the music. Mm-hmm. He, he, he assumes that they're doing exactly what he's thinking he's doing, mm-hmm. what he wants them to do. because He's a narcissist. And what's funny, like to go a little bit branch off about, I mean, the actor, because I mean, the, the performances are all excellent. But so the actor actor who plays Lemontov, like, plays a completely opposite personality in their, probably their other best regarded film, Life and Death of Colonel Blimp, which I, I think I mentioned a long time ago on here. Yep. But, yep, like, he plays, one. like, the good-natured lifelong friend of the lead character, who is, like, completely likable and, like, heartwarming character who goes through a lot, and in this, he's, like, an obsessive, destructive, menacing character. Who? And he's, I mean, he's an actor who, like, literally no one has heard of <laughs> <laughs> Anton Walbrook yeah like no one now knows who that is but he's great in this because there's the menace to him but there's also like the charm yeah like you see why he gets it, they get sucked in because he's very smart and, and what's weird is that he's threatening but you never feel like he, he's gonna be violent right this right. is a modern movie. He'd be like putting knives in their shoes and shit and like having them killed. Mm. But instead he kills their careers, which is just as bad for them. He yeah, there's something unsettling, but not fully active, but it's just like unsettling, but sucks you in. But there's just something there. Also, we give Damon Chazelle crap for basically taking the visuals to make Land and the story to make Whiplash. But Black Swan probably has a lot answer for too. Yeah. I'm just going to say that you Oh, sorry. No, yeah, I, I, I was gonna say I saw that in here too, and I was like, oh. like I saw like five to ten different movies watching this. But Black Swan's the one where you're like, okay, so this is the modern edgy version of the Wretches, right? You just said like if you know if this was the modern version, it would do this and this, and I instantly thought that's exactly what Black Swan is. Yeah, Black. Well, yeah, I, because- I thought it came to me quickly with how we're talking like the physical violence. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> That's what happens in Black Swan. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of physical violence by the end in that one, and then she dies on stage or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or it's I implied think. that she do- she does. Yeah, and that one's obviously also about ballet and being obsessed with becoming the best ballet dancer, and it's like, hmm, hey, I've seen this one. But instead of the love triangle, it kind of has two females battling for the top spot. Yeah. Well, because that one also does, does the ballet in the main story. Yeah. Although, like, in that one, like, it doesn't really, like, it's clear that that's exactly what it's doing because it does the obvious symbolism of, like, oh, she's got wings now or, like, that weird shit. But it's, like, I, you know, it doesn't really lay out what the Black Swan is about in the level this film does, if you get what I mean. It's, like, I don't remember anything about, like, the ballet within the movie. But, Alex, it's Gary Aronofsky, so it's weird. 
supposed to like it. But I think I think I I don't know if I might be wrong or not, but I think in the Black Swan, I mean, they didn't really. It was more practice of ballet. I don't think they had the actual performance ballet till the end. Yeah, because right. that requires them to to have skill. <laughs> <laughs> That's work. Yeah, so. and really, at the end, it's like a lot of it is backstage. Like she kills somebody backstage, right? Or like something like that happens, and like it really just shows she tiny snippets. Hallucinates that she does, I believe. Or I don't know. It's been a while. And all I remember is like this is weird. <laughs> And try so many jump scares and like all these different things, but like, you know, that like kind of scare you, and then it's over, and you're like, oh, this movie, like, especially like reading the thing about like, did the shoes themselves do it? Like, this movie creeps me out more. <laughs> yeah. Like, that like tiny, like, not even just like the minuscule really light detail. Horror. Yeah. It like gives you chills, or like at the end when it does that, like, the do, 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 when he's putting the shoes back, always gives me like chills and creeps me out. Well, the very end of the movie where they do the red shoes but since she's dead they just have the empty spot oh <laughs> it's so unsettling <laughs> yeah and then how it cuts like he takes the shoes off of her and then it cuts to the guy who has the shoes in the play and he puts them back and it just focuses on them and it's like oh those shoes creep me out this yes. movie made me scared of a pair of shoes <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so unnerving it, it's so and I guess, I guess like, this is not a horror movie by any stretch of the imagination but it, it still makes you, kind of messes with you psychology psychologically it does what black swan wishes it could have done because black swan had to, to rely on disturbing visuals to make to 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 go hey hey guy you should be disturbed now hey guys we're edgy hey yeah some jump scares blood yeah, poke, like that. poke me in the head and go hey isn't this unsettling she kind of looks like I have a bird. Get it? Because it's the black swan, and she looks like the black swan. It's, it's deep when you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Except black swan was actually a massive hit that people still talk about today. Yeah, I'm like, yo, watch this movie. And then see what you think. Yeah, it did when it just jokered <laughs> red shoes. It did, damn. The sad we have to use as now. Yeah, we have to use that as like an adjective. Is, is when films joker other films. <laughs> well, it's like Corella. It's like, oh, that's been jokerified. It's like <laughs> well, that, that, that's what Quentin Tarantino said because he talked about Joker, and he's like, is this where we are now, where, where movies can just do other movies, but but put a property behind it? <laughs> Basically, well, that's what anything now nowadays. Yeah, and then because people don't know what the original one is. It's like, oh, wow, this is, like, super new and interesting. It's like, is it, though? <laughs> well, we'll see that. We're talking about this again next week uh, with my pick, which I'll just say now because it's kind of like related. But the next week, we were, we were, talking, to, we were talking, talking about the, the Japanese classic Battle Royale, which we'll talk, we'll talk about the movie that, that ripped off this movie very shame, that movie very shamelessly. But it's, 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 a very common, it's a very common theme now. Yeah, that's where the whole term came from. Like, you know, a whole game genre is named after that movie. Yeah. But, but Hunger Games, oh. I'll just say as a tease, anyone that, that, that thinks Battle Royale and Hunger Games are not the same movie 
hasn't seen Battle Royale. <laughs> yeah, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't seen it. But we'll talk about that next on, that, on next week's episode. Um, but I guess it's related to this whole thing we're talking about now with with the red shoes. Let's make and even with, even even with, with the birdcage, right? With with PTA. Yeah, ripping off that entire opening sequence. Ripping <laughs> off the entire sequence. And everybody goes, "Oh my, isn't PTA such a genius? Oh my god!" Like to be fair though, at least, se- least he didn't like jokeify jokeify it or whatever. <laughs> Make that's it gritty, right? Yeah, and it was just that like portion. Wait, wait, but it's almost worse that he kept it just the same. Yeah. <laughs> well, because PTA, Darren Aronofsky, people that that you know that are beloved, even though you, you can kind of question some of their choices. I mean, PTA is way better than, than Darren Aronofsky. I think Aronofsky's kind of a hack, but oh yeah, like P- PTA has had some kind of pretentious stinkers, but he's also had like some all-time bangers. Like he also had Boogie Nights, and there will and there will be blood. Listen, yeah. <laughs> Anybody. Who makes there will be blood? Like, is automatically on my good list. But Aronofsky, what has he done? Mother, <laughs> which no one liked. I didn't see yeah, it. So. Pie, Requiem yeah, for a Dream, The Fountain, Wait, no, that was the Wrestler, really Black no, Swan, Noah, and Mother. The Fighter's good. He made the Fighter. It said The Wrestler. No, he also made The Fighter. No, no that was... The wrestler. Yeah. Oh, well, why is that showing up on Google? That's weird. You're right. He could never. I mean, I didn't mind yeah. Noah. That was a weird interpretation, but... Do a, do, do a, do a, do a Bible story, but remove God? <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious what his Wolverine movie would, would, would have been. Oh, weird as shit. Yeah. <laughs> But I guess the point where I'm going with this is everyone knows Aronofsky. There are, there are people on the internet that will stand for Aronofsky every day, yet no one's heard of the two Red Shoes guys. Yep. Oliver, those who those made two like, guys yep, inspired multiple, an entire generation time. of filmmakers, and no one knows who they are. There's a few I haven't seen. Like, I haven't seen Black Narcissus. That's supposed to be, like, another all-time one. A Matter of Life and Death, same thing. Like, in the 40s, they just released multiple, like, all-time films that were super influential. And, like, people don't really know, like, who they are anymore outside of, like, the UK and, like, big-time film circles. I mean, we, we went to film school, and they went, these guys weren't, weren't referenced once. Nope. Which is shocking to me. Have we reached that I point want, in time where they just discuss the big names and leave everyone else kind of, oh, you can find them, but... Well, I, I think it's important if you are a filmmaker or want to be a filmmaker to trace back and, and kind of, to me, at least to me, to find the, the, the source of how things were actually made, right? Right. If you like this yeah. movie, within find within within kind of find where it, where it, where it came from in a sense. In most cases, yep. it takes you back to, to Citizen Kane. <laughs> yeah, all roads lead all roads lead back to Citizen Kane and, and like modern film structure for sure. But well, even shot compositions and everything too. But yeah. obviously, some stuff will lead you back to this because I mean, we we, we could name how many movies that they, they took from the Red Shoes. Yeah. Like I, I mean, said, we, I saw we, five we've at least at least six, and that's probably not not not, not, not even close to how many there actually are. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, Phantom of the Paradise movie, I love. We've talked about it on the podcast. Yeah, I'll I'll totally admit they they. But the, well, the problem is known for just taking shit from people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and just putting it in with almost no changes. Well, with that one, it looks like he just basically took parts of this, parts of Fan of the Opera, and was just like. Parts of Psycho. It's like, I want to rock. (laughs) (laughs) Put it in a blender and was like, this is what I'm going to get. Yeah, De Palma, Scorsese, Ford Coppola, Steven Spielberg, which 
I think the point with this movie, though, is you have to look, I think, for some of the more subtle stuff, too. Like, how they use color. That's not going to mm-hmm. necessarily be clear. We, we watch a movie and go, oh, that color usage is totally from the red shoes. Mm-hmm. But I th- I think that you could totally see, especially in De Palma's work, how the use of color was affected by this movie. I mean, the colors are, are bright. They're vibrant. Especially um, the reds and the blues. Yep. They, they yeah. pop out beautifully. Or like, the, yeah, like the, and like in shot composition, like they're really quick close-ups that's what reminded me like how it'll just like snap to her face like that really uncomfortable close-up <clears throat> which the palma does a lot especially in Phantom of paradise you can see in the mm. pores on her face and you're like i'm uncomfortable now <laughs> <laughs> yeah when she when she sees yeah when she sees uh uh Lementoff on like on stage that that's a shot that has the blu-ray cover right yeah it's just haunting to look at i mean it's a fantastic movie i don't know if i love it as much as you do alex but probably not have to <laughs> I have to watch it again. Yeah, yeah, especially, yeah. Watch that. If you don't watch the whole thing, just, like, go on your computer or something. Watch the part where she starts to run at the end, thinking about it being the shoes. Mm-hmm. When we started discussing that, I looked it up on YouTube, and I was like, yeah, it's... I definitely see what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's what, like, when I read that, and then, like, I was, you know, I was like, am I going to rewatch it before the podcast? And I watched that part again. I'm like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> I need to see it all again because, yeah, there's a lot. I mean, I, I, mean, I never would have thought that until you brought it up, but now it's like, damn. Now do I yeah, have to dude, rewatch it? When oh. I saw that, I was like, no. And then I was like, oh. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, I, no. Well, I didn't think about that at first, but I was always questioning, like, why did she jump off the ledge you know that, that was the one thing I was like oh was scratching in the back of my mind I was like why'd she do that of all things the shoes then you said that and I'm like that actually makes a lot of sense it really was the shoes <laughs> as where's Jordan <laughs> is it the shoes and I oh, took and that personally and the shorts it's the shorts and the shoes I've seen space enough times to know this <laughs> is this the first is this this might be the first time in film history that Space Jam and the Red Shoes have been talked about together. <laughs> we've, we've, we did it, boys. Hey, listen, influences come in many forms. We peaked. <laughs> the beginning of cinema and when it peaked. Hey, we once had that one editing class where you show the clip from The Godfather to showcase editing, and then the next guy brought up Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed. <laughs> <laughs> Anything that happened in film discussion. And like three times more people had seen Scooby-Doo 2 than The Godfather. And I was like, all right, sure I'm going to sit back down them. now. You had not seen it either. I didn't know you at this time, but it was like, wow, I'm just going to sit back down now. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you made a fool of yourself and you did nothing wrong. That's my favorite part of the story. <laughs> I felt, yeah, I felt like an idiot for showing The Godfather. <laughs> it's not a sentence I thought I'd be saying. <laughs> Which I still stand by. That might be the best edited sequence ever. But that class was a joke. <laughs> it really was. We did well, nothing. Well, especially when you think of like when you. This is kind of a tangent, but I'm going to relate back. I'm going to relate back to this. The fact that we went to film school, but these movies, right? Like like stuff like Red Shoes, Colonel Blimp, a lot of the Criterion Yanis film stuff. The fact that we don't. We didn't, we didn't hear of it. It's kind of a disservice to us. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the one I think about, too, speaking of Janice films, I think I've mentioned this one a few times, but The Third Man and, like, books about, like, Dutch Angle and 
and where that started are just wrong. <laughs> like, they talk about Hitchcock in the 50s. I'm like, yo, like half of the third man is Dutch tilted. <laughs> like half of that movie is off angle. Or or the big one, right? The big one that should be taught in every film class, but it's not Battle of Algiers. Yeah, especially after could, like documentary style, you know, in the trenches kind of techniques. An absolute masterpiece that no one's heard of, which which pro tip you can either a get the criterion channel which has all these movies and a bunch of other good ones especially their animation slate now is superb it's one of the best on streaming or you can get hbo max which has a lot of the criterion movies on it no one knows this including max doesn't advertise that they have a deal with criterion well we'd rather shove uh space jam lost legacy in your face (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. for our most recent dc animated movie or dc movie. I have to see an ad for Little Ellen every time I turn on HBO Max. <laughs> but I don't know that they have all all these Criterion films. Red Shoes is on HBO Max. Uh, Battle of Algiers, fantastic. Blimp is there. Um, really, really good films. Yeah, you gotta go, yeah, if you go to Hubs and then TCM, Turner Classic, that's where all these are hidden, and it's just like rows of them. Mm-hmm. Rows of really obscure, all the Charlie Chapel ones that Criterion owns are in there. Um, HBO Max has get a lot of shit but it, it might be the best service if you're a movie buff it might be the best yeah if, they, if they're pl- it would easily be the best if their player wasn't dog shit <laughs> players like awful. is there really no way to go back 10 seconds to see what that line was that <laughs> I, that i'm not sure i fully caught nope i gotta fucking nope. rewind like 30 seconds and hope i hit the right spot like goddamn vhs tape <laughs> Or you go backwards and all of a sudden your movie crashes and takes you out of yep. it. <laughs> I've had so Dustin, do you do you use a PlayStation app for your HBO Max? No, I used my Smart TV app, which I did have that problem you were talking about with on my TV after you said something to me. <laughs> of it of it crashing consistently. Yes. Over and over again. Yeah. I have a problem now where if I'm watching a TV show, every time it ends an episode, it always crashes. Oh jeez, I haven't had that issue yet. Extremely, I mean that's. That's something that like, just shouldn't happen, right? Right. Especially yeah. because yeah, they already had a service before this. Yeah, that worked fine. I don't understand why they, why they went from HBO Go or now, wherever the hell it was called, to Max. It just turns the dog shit. The interface becomes freaking unusable. Yeah, you used to, you know, you would press the back button on the remote and it would take you back like 10 seconds on HBO Go. And now HBO Max doesn't have that. Because gotta go fast, zoom, and all of a sudden you're in the fucking movie again. Maybe. Um, oh, look, I backed up five minutes. It's not what I wanted to do. It's funny. Actually, that happened when I was rewatching this. There's one part that I wanted to see if I caught, you know, caught something interesting. And yeah, I had to go back like 30 seconds. I get I get frustrated uh, just, just just because. Oh, shit. I forgot it. Give me a second. Um, shit. I was my train of thought. I had some. I had an issue with Max. I, com- I completely. I complete, oh, I know this. My big issue with Max is I'll go t- to their leaving soon section to see movies that are leaving this month. And I didn't know these movies were on there to fucking begin with. <laughs> I go, um, when did they get that film? Yep. Like, what was, I want to watch that and don't have to quickly rush to get them all in before they leave in a, in a week. I mean, HBO Max isn't the only one that does this. I mean, Netflix did that for a while too where it's just like, oh, this is, they sent, sent out the list like, this is leaving. It's like, I didn't even know that was there. <laughs> It's the algorithms on the instruments are just garbage. It's like sometimes I wish how it would much based- is how much is Criterion Channel? 
sometimes I wish these ser- services would kind of like look at what you watch more of. It'd be like, hey, let's. But I always promote yeah, they they other could, stuff. Really, just trying. But even but even the stuff they're like, oh, based on you watch this. It's like that has nothing to do with what I just watched. <laughs> Yeah. They're like, yeah, it just tries to push their newer stuff. <clears throat> or stuff that other people like. It doesn't say a price for Criterion Channel. Yeah. <laughs> There's stuff uh, on the channel that's not on Max. It's $10.99 a month. Honestly, that's, that's not, not bad. bad. If you're into mm-hmm. artsy indie films. But like, I feel like there's not, to me, there's not enough. I, I say that when there's some that I'm yelling at you to watch that are only on there. But I feel like there's not enough that's only on there. You know what I mean? When you can yeah. get Max that has a bunch of these. Like, it should be cheaper if they're going to do that. They have, there's some really good ones on here, especially in their animation uh, selection, such as It's Such a Beautiful oh, Day, is- Tower, Persepolis, some, some damn good animated films that are very hard to, 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 to come by on the Criterion channel. <laughs> Fuck, we should just fucking all go in on this. Uh, maybe. We're, we're fucking stupid. <laughs> I said this one, I mean, this is interesting. They have, uh, I was talking about Colonel Life and Death of Colonel Blood because of Powell and Pressburger. They have a 1988 audio commentary track with Michael Powell and Martin Scorsese. Is this on the channel? Yeah. Interesting. I think uh, Pressburger would, had passed away by then. But it's with uh, uh, Powell and Scorsese. I know. I, I, I know they had the host on here at some point, which shows the Amazon copy. Yeah, yeah. Which is actually <laughs> Criterion release by now. Criterion, please don't release One Night in Miami. No one, no one cares. No. I, I couldn't like. Yeah, I couldn't I'm like, I forgot that movie existed. Yeah, do the host. Do do, do the host. Do it such a beautiful day. Do Inland Empire, so people will stop talking about that on on the subreddit and do hard boiled again we release robocop arm again no. <laughs> <laughs> and boy, if you look at on like criterions like their laser discs some of the films they had a laser disc oh my god if those had blu-ray copies like boogie nights blade runner oh i'm, I'm at citizen king but that's game yeah so that one we used to talk about like if that happened and now it's happening so maybe they'll pull out some of those other ones now I'm that like they a- have the excuse with four Okay. Well, they'll only do that if the other, if the current rights holders don't see a need for a release on their end. I mean, that's why Assistant Kane is getting a DVD release. People freaked out about it because I thought Criterion was no longer doing DVDs. No, it's just because they they couldn't legally do a DVD of Assistant Kane specifically. Right, because they did that big Blu-ray DVD pack, but I guess they got the rights for 4K. Mm-hmm. Which includes Blu-ray somehow. There, 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 there must have been some different thing there. I, I do believe Assistant Kane is getting a standalone Blu-ray release but i don't see uh, warner giving them blade runner no yeah they do they do too many releases themselves i think of blade runner i would i own blade runner 4k is gonna sell like hotcakes <laughs> you know Everybody's a, blade runner, a blade runner criterion oh. so, yes, yeah, I, I, I don't want to hold out hope but that would be sick here are some criterion late late laser discs that with, with, with the first one number 001 is citizen kane which is getting released but 002 is king kong we have mm. third man vision the body snatcher seventh seal oh. some of these are getting blu-rays or, or have gotten blu-rays I, and sure. and, like i would freak out like the graduate yeah that's got one but but it's a wonderful life blade runner um 12 
Twilight, 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 Twilight,
bonus feature on the making of said movie mm. for sure but the rest are like video essays like analyzing or or other short films from from a particular director or or in the case of like like some of the best ones like brazil has the infamous studio cut which is just as bad as you would need to believe or like 12, 12 angry men includes the original telefilm 12 angry men that the, the became the, the, the movie and also a, 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 another random tele, telefilm by the same writer really bizarre but it's good what does the red shoes one have? Do, 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 do. A lot. I'm looking at this right now. There's a lot. <laughs> Wait, do, do, do you not own it? I don't yet because I'm. I was holding out for a sale, and now I'm holding out for sale and the 4K probably because I might I'm, as well. I'm so mad because they always do that. Do, do that sale around Thanksgiving, and they and they move uncut gems to like right at the end of that. Uh, well, you can, you can. I think you can. The, you can pre-order at the sale price. Okay, because I was like, I was like, you a holes, you know what you're doing. <laughs> you know what you're doing. Yeah. Okay. So here, I can read them off. So there's obviously the restoration, um, introductory restoration demonstration with Scorsese, audio commentary from '94 by film historian, featuring interviews with some of the actors, the cinematographer, the composer, and Scorsese. Scorsese loves this movie apparently. <laughs> uh, I documentary about the making of the film from 2000 interview with michael powell's widow from kane's film festival audio recordings in 94 wait wait is it his widow thelma shoemaker yeah thelma shoemaker powell yeah like the uh, shoot on the greatest editors of all time who also works with guess who scorsese (laughs) (laughs) yeah i didn't i should have read that yeah thelma shoemaker powell yep uh publicity stills and behind the scenes photos gallery of memorabilia from scorsese's collection wow he really liked this movie <laughs> uh, 19 a uh, 19 the red shoe sketches a 1948 animated film of the painted storyboards what that's interesting a trailer and then uh and then yeah in the booklet essay by a critic and a description of the restoration by the ucla film archivist <laughs> that's that a lot <laughs> but yeah, at least yeah they have some of they have like a good amount of powell in there just because Pre- pressburger died a lot earlier actually powell made some films by himself later like one uh uh what was that what i can't think of it he made a uh peeping tom yeah a famous film like early influential horror by himself so at least now people know how big of criterion nerds we are <laughs> so, so they can make, make fun of us so I, 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 I don't think justin is which kind of so fucking lucky yeah, the comments if there if we get any. Shut up, nerd. Hey, I would <laughs> buy. Film, nerd. I would buy a Criterion version of Brazil. Do do it. Yeah, Some that's one I still need to get. See, I didn't think I had many left, and then I made a list, and now I'm scared. <laughs> yeah, I know. Last year I was like, wow, I have almost all the ones I want, and then over this year it's just been, oh no, I keep adding more. <laughs> I went kind of wild on the last sale, and, and I'm gonna go wild on the next sale in November because I'm getting my wife her christmas and birthday gift which I is their, say I say, she's li- li- listened to us i can say this, and she oh. already knows but i'm getting her that giant godzilla set they have oh yeah that's like all of the movies it's like all of them or at least damn near a lot of them and she's obsessed with godzilla so she'll be very happy and i can buy whatever logos i want with absolutely <laughs> <laughs> 
no repercussions. But I guess final thoughts on on the red shoes. I mean, good suggestion, Alex. I was I was for. I'll admit. I'll admit when you first suggested it, I kind of rolled my eyes. I'll admit so did I. I because it was, I oh, it. here we go again. Alex going with the pretentious old movie pick that no one's heard of. Hell, I picked something good. Well, I, the only thing that made me kind of... It's what I knew I had to make you watch or you would never watch it. <laughs> the one thing that got me kind of questioning it was it was about ballet, and I was like, what the hell are we going to watch? <laughs> I was like, okay, it's Alex. It's old. It's probably good. Probably gonna be good. And then it's like ballet. What the hell? He complains about watching musicals, and he's got watching a ballet. It's like, what the hell? I I will say, I will say, at least it wasn't like three hours long. I have to. Yeah, I have to give credit for that. Yeah, didn't take me all day. For you, for you not, not picking a, a movie that literally took an entire afternoon to watch. Although it was fun watching it, and also it's like it's like oh oh yeah, ten minutes of credits, and then all of a sudden it's like wow, this thing keeps going. Isn't there credits? Like oh no, I watched all of them at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> it's an old movie. That's how they got. That's how they get you. But I will say, I did really like, like the movie. I didn't think I would, but. I, I didn't really want to like it. I'm sure, and the more we talk about it, the more I think about it again, the more I like it. Yeah, it's yeah. one that kind of sits with you, I think. I think it was a It's kind of starts off kind of slow, but once you kind of... She starts... She becomes his lead, and he's, she's learning everything. It's It really picks up the pace, and gets going mm-hmm. once once the set, set, setup's done the film takes off and then, and then that ballet scene takes take, 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 take to a whole other level yeah that's really like me personally like i was enjoying it like i'm like oh this is good like i'm i'm into these characters and stuff but really like that's the part where i'm like okay this is something else and then it just kind of carries that momentum and just all the totally, great yeah. transitions in the ballet parts were just so seamless and beautiful. Yeah. And I mean, it was stupid me, 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 like, hey, you, you couldn't do that on stage. <laughs> <laughs> well, he kind of, that's not how it works. He kind of films it like it's on a stage at times. But then, well, he starts out like that, right? But then as the movie gets, or as the scene gets going, it kind of like becomes like a dream sequence a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's less stage blocking and more like, like obscure, I mean, I mean, abstract, not obscure, more abstract, surreal shot compositions. And it is one again, if you get the chance, or at least to just peek at portions of it, like very rewarding rewatch because, yeah, all of the stuff they set up, all of like kind of the second layer to it of like, you know, once you start thinking more like surreally or like, you know, that slight horror element, it kind of takes on a different context at times. I mean, if people, if you picked up HBO Max because you really want to see Space Jam, A New Legacy, and forgot to cancel it, uh, <laughs> you can watch this movie on HBO Max, and, and, and you should. Or you should just get HBO Max in general because it's the best streaming service out there if you're a movie fan. Not a sponsor. <laughs> yeah, not a sponsor. Yeah, we're doing... We're doing this if for you want. free. Also, also after this podcast, guys, do you want do you want do you want to play some Rage Shadow Legends? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can and, test out my new VPN. You can watch no. the red shoes through NordVPN. <laughs> <laughs> What's the food one? What am I thinking of? Uh, HelloFresh or... Uh, oh, yeah. D- d- and, you know, I after this, I think, you know, I'm getting kind of hungry. I think I might get some HelloFresh. 
and then, and then I need to get ready for for, for bed. I better shave with with a dollar shave. <laughs> oh, don't forget manscaped. Oh, I manscaped, yeah. For your hair everywhere. <laughs> you know we're really fucking stupid because now we ever actually like get any get anywhere with this. These people won't sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry. Raid Shadow Legends will sponsor anyone. That is always the fight that you come across a random YouTube video like, and the sponsor of this is Raid Sounds. Like, you clearly do not play. This. Damn, they got a budget. And don't forget that the best way to watch to listen to this podcast is is through Raycon wireless earbuds. <laughs> no, we'd have to get an audience first before. It's true. And then we'll be doing this for real. <laughs> and you won't believe us. Um, but yeah, I, I forgot what we're talking about. Uh, good movie, really great pick. Um, I don't know if we'll buy the Criterion, but because there's so many, do it. Well, I might wait till I get a 4K TV. Oh, that's right. You, yeah, yeah, this would definitely be worth it. Yeah, and and then get and then get, get the 4K. Because yes, Criterion's may, making 4K. Now, please, people, shut up on the subreddit. <laughs> or just release in, in, in Empires and everyone will, will be shut up. That's an idea. We'll post this podcast into the subreddit. Don't, 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 <laughs> God, no. Yeah, I, I love that subreddit. It's pretty wholesome. It's not toxic, but I don't, I don't need those people looking at, looking into us. <laughs> um, but yeah, those are our thoughts on the red shoes. How do they pronounce it? It's something like Red shoes. Yeah, it's, it's very, very particular. Uh, that's the thoughts on the red shoes. Uh, good, good pick, Alex. Like I said multiple times, is on HBO Max. It is well worth a watch. Um, also, is it on Criterion Channel too? It probably is. Probably. But you, but you can watch it there. You absolutely should, because I guarantee you that you've seen at least five movies that have all ripped this movie off. Um, but anyway, thank you so much for listening. If you've seen The Red Shoes, if you're one of the eight people that have seen this movie, um, also, let us know if you're, you're out there. Um, we'd, we'd love to hear, hear your thoughts on anything we would talk about. Please add your comment um, on our YouTube channel or let us know on our Facebook page. But yeah, for Alex Overall, Justin so I'm David Young. Thank you so much for listening to Idiot Plot. We'll be back next time with Battle Royale. Thanks for listening to Idiot Block. You can find us on Spotify, Anchor FM, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe and hit the bell to get a notification every time we drop a new episode. Also, follow us on Facebook and Letterboxd. The links are in the description.